Welcome to Chihuahua Bat 2.0, Surviving in the Classroom. I am Swan, one of the Chihuahua Bats. There's actually two Chihuahua Bats. My partner in crime, Mala, um, is at the gallery today. Mala and I are retired public educators. We taught 30 years in the public classroom. Who, who'd have thought it? Yeah. And uh, when we retired, we decided to pursue our passions. And she is an artist. She likes to paint. And um, she exhibits in a gallery called Art on 12. And it's in Wimberley, Texas. And so she's there today. Um, and uh, she's quite good, actually. She just sent me a picture of something she bought. And I was like, you're supposed to be selling, not buying. This is really cute little, you know, statue made out of utensils, like a cheese grater and an old like measuring cup. It was really cute. I was like, well, I'll keep my utensils and make me something. So anyway, who knew, right? Um, so anyway, she pursues art for her passion. And I, when I retired, um, decided to pursue writing. I wanted to write about my story and my journey as an educator. So I've published one book. I've got another one in the works. There's actually three I'm working on, which is not easy because, you know, my process is when I'm I get an idea, I just write, 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 and, and I ignore everything else, and then I, I have to stop and put it away, and you know, which book am I working on? So it's, it's crazy. But anyway, so I wanted to pursue writing and, and tell my story, um, and I also wanted to be, you know, an advocate for those still in the classroom, that I could be the voice to say the things that maybe um, when you're employed by a district that you should not say. And, you know, there's always backstories going on and that kind of influence <laughs> what you do. And um, those are the things that really uh, we shouldn't talk about because it just would not be professional. But, but anyway, so um, I, uh, my first book, which I published in, I guess it was 2019, um, was Memoir of a Bat. And it highlights a five-year period in my teaching career where I was just in utter chaos. I mean, my physical <laughs> limitations in where I was asked to teach uh, were unbelievable. In fact, if you'd ever told me, I'd have said, no, doesn't exist. And it did. And so there I was in this situation with just me and like 27 students. And that was it. And we had desks. And it was, if you can picture a warehouse and that's it. And that's what I had. No board, no nothing, no overhead, certainly no computer. It wasn't digital back then. And so there I was. And, you know, in teaching foreign language, um, we're very hands-on and we're very application and let's get up and do all these things. So I had space. That was not the problem. I just didn't have anything. And when you're in level one, you, you know, the kids have to see the words, you know, write the words, speak the words, etc. So anyway, yeah, it, it was just horrible. And, and to make matters worse, I had to share the space with theater arts and the clinic. And I won't say any more. So um, when I found myself in that situation, I was like, oh, my God, you know, I had a choice. I could just sit there and, you know, whine and complain, which, you know, I will say when you go into school business on campuses, and you have an area where teachers group, we used to call it a lounge, but it, that doesn't necessarily exist nowadays. And, uh, you know, and there would be a lot of venting, shall we say. And, and there were, you learned those that had a lot of negative venting consistently. You, I just chose not to be around that because I thought the job was hard enough without having to listen to someone just go wah, wah, wah all day long. And, and in every career and every uh, job, you have that. So, 
Yeah. So, um, so I chose to, you know, step up, accept this challenge and make the best of it. And, um, I have to say I didn't do it alone and, and I'll get to what this podcast is going to be called today. But anyway, um, so Memoir of a Chihuahua Bat, um, Published in 2019, you can find it on Amazon, or you can go to my webpage, chihuahuabat.com. You can also um, get it there. The moral of the story is success is always going to be up to you. So if you're if you're up for a good read, a funny read, you'll laugh, you'll actually cry, and you know you can see the crazy bats in action and how we tackled this. Um, you, you won't be disappointed. So, memoir of a chihuahua bat. Okay, so here we are. It's it's February, and um, this is the time of year where teachers are struggling. You know, we've come off the holidays, and you come into the winter months, and usually, in, in, you know, in the southern part of the United States, we're in Texas, um, our winters are not harsh, to say the least. Um, so, teachers are kind of struggling, and you know, it isn't until you kind of get to March and spring break that you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. So, January, February, this is a hard time, and um, especially teachers are really trying to survive because we've had a pandemic and we've had to teach face to face, remotely, all of that at the same time, plus just kids out sick. Uh, synchronous, asynchronous, you name it, it's been thrown at us. So that's been a challenge. And just when you get used to that, um, yeah, Mother Earth throws this horrendous winter storm. And when you're in Texas, you know, winter storms are few and far between. And, you know, snow to us is, you know, well, I would say in the panhandle, northern part of Texas, they do get snow, Lubbock on up. But where I am down in the southern area, like in the San Antonio area, um, snow is rare. I mean, we'll get dustings or, you know, it might snow for an hour or two, but it, it certainly doesn't stick. And I mean, maybe every what seven, eight years, we'll get like a couple of inches. Well, this year, right, 2021, we were hoping it would you know, be better than 2020. I'm not so sure just yet. Uh, I mean, where I was, I had six inches of snow. And then one day it snowed all day long. And so, you know, in, in all of my years of living here, majority of my years I lived in Texas, I've never seen anything like that. So that, because of that and the temperatures, like wind chills below zero, which never happened <laughs> in Texas rarely, uh, we found, you know, areas and, and most of the state had electrical issues. If most people lost power, I was fortunate we just had rolling outages, but it was really funny because you'd sit there and go, okay, in 40 minutes, the power is going to come on. So I'm going to run and I'm going to put the clothes in the dryer. You know, we had to think in terms about every 45 minutes we would have electricity and, and I had heat. So I, I'm not complaining at all because people had it worse. But even worse than that was water with the freezing temperatures, water pipes were breaking and, and people were, yeah, without water and or on, you know, a boil notice because the water pressure had gotten so low that um, the water companies couldn't guarantee the safety of the water. Yada, yada. So anyway, so to make matters worse, here are poor teachers who are just trying to, you know, this is the time of year in second semester, you're just sort of at that first part, and you're just like, ah, oh, help me get to the end, right? And everybody's starting to get tired and, you know, irritated with just life in general. 
So add in the pandemic and all the craziness of that. And then add in this winter storm. So by now, you know, they're just like, what next? You know, literally looking up the sky and go, okay, God, what next? Um, so, you know, having been in my situation, yes, way back in like 1998, which was like, you know, years ago, but still, uh, and going through that chaos, there was one thing that really got me through, and it was literally a day-to-day survival is where I was, um, especially when I got to December and all the promises the district had made to make my little teaching environment better, you know, had not come through for various reasons. And, you know, you find yourself going, yeah, yeah, I've heard it all before. So in order not to get, you know, depressed and go in dark mode, um, we would, well, Mala, and she's just funny, 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 funny person. You never know what's coming out of her mouth. And thank God, you know, her humor saved me. But um, also, we had a group of colleagues called The Breakfast Club, and I've mentioned them before. And this was, I mean, the craziest group of of teachers. We all, you know, taught different things. We were all different ages, different political beliefs. It just didn't matter And um, if it hadn't been for the breakfast club and the jokes that we would play on each other, uh, I I probably would have resigned, I have to tell you, because, you know, at the end of the day, it was about laughing and finding the positive in the middle of this horrendous situation. So, yeah. uh, So, you know, today's title to me is, you know, you just got to have friends, if I can quote Bette Midler there for a second. Um, So... Yeah, Mala, and of course, Mala being a big jokester, all right, she um, she would instigate a lot of this. But some of the things we would do, and, you know, we, we really, we loved each other to death, and we love, you know, <laughs> working together, but we would prank each other. And, um, but we found that it just kind of got us through that, that little hump of second semester when, you know, you're coming out the holidays, and then, yeah, you just want to get to spring break, and then after spring break, it, it just it flies by. So, uh, one of the things that we did was every school district has to have a like an inclement weather and a disaster plan because you know you can have bad storms. Hence, we just had a bad storm here. You can have like tornadoes. You can have you know blackouts, etc. And so, in each of these situations, um, you have to have a disaster plan. And every room in the building will have a different plan because it depends on what kind of disaster you're planning for. So we were doing one of our disaster drills and it was as if a tornado was going to be coming. And so every classroom had a safe place to go. Now, if your classroom was like on the inside and it wasn't in a path that tornadoes normally take, you would just, you know, get down on the floor and get away from the door if you had a piece of glass yeah, and you would shelter in place like that. But others, you know, who were not in the right part of the building or you were in a room that had a bunch of windows, you had to be moved to a safer place. Well, my first year I was a traveling teacher. So my disaster drills, I had eight different plans because it depended on which room I was in. Well, on this particular day, okay, uh, doing the disaster drill, I happened to be in D Hall. And so I was, yes, but I was in a room that had windows. So that was not going to work if a tornado was coming through. So I was assigned to go to the men's restroom. And that's where my students and I would go and we would get down and cover our heads. So 
as teachers, you know, we usually had a heads up about the disaster drill because you have to monitor your kids, manage the chaos. And so second period, you know, we knew it was going to, they would ring the bell a certain way. And that meant, you know, go prepare for a disaster. So the bell rang. And so my kids knew. And so I said, all right, we lined up and we were walking down the hall, you know, quickly because a tornado's coming. We're pretending and we're going, I said, okay, just go into the men's restroom. I'm the last one because I have to make sure everybody's out of the room and everybody's safe. And so I'm at the end of the line and all of a sudden it's just like these little dominoes. We all just start scrunching up together. And I was like, go in the room. We're supposed to go in. Who is up there? Marcus. And he's like, miss, we can't. There's a problem. And I was like, what, what do you mean? He's like, miss, come here. So I go up there and he goes, miss, someone's in the restroom. And I went, what do you mean? He goes, no, someone's in the restroom. And the assistant principal's coming down the hall. She's like, get in your room. And I was like, nothing, just hold your nose and go in there. So off we go in. <laughs> there we are. And we're all huddled in there. And so at some point you can look down and you can see, you know, underneath the uh, stall, you know, you can see these feet. And so I, <laughs> I recognized the, the gentleman and I called up his name and I said, I'm so sorry. Uh, he goes, oh, no problem. Nothing we can do. <laughs> so there we were. And then finally they rang the bells and we went back. To our room. Of course, the kids are like just gagging. They're like, oh, my God. I was like, just get in the classroom. They're like, miss, who was that? I said, well, I'm, I'm not going to say who that was. But anyway, so, of course. The Breakfast Club, we couldn't wait to uh, poke fun at that. And this gentleman happened to be part of the Breakfast Club. He actually taught government. <laughs> Funny guy, but, you know, this was not so. And so second period was just his ritual every day. That's where he chose to go to the restroom. And it, that's just, you know, lucky us was the day that and the time that they told us to run the disaster drill. So, so when it was his birthday, you know, on birthdays, we'd make a big deal and we'd play jokes on each other. So, you know, that year his birthday gift was one of the little white plastic training potties that you would give to little kids when they're learning to sit on the potty. So, you know, we, we crowned him, you know, the, the potty king and he got to open up his, his gift. And of course we, we took pictures, you know, and put them all over his school because that's what we did. We made fun of each other just, in order, you know, to get through the madness. So that, that was one thing that we did. Um, another thing was um, we would gather and one of our colleagues uh, was very sensitive to all kinds of social issues. And she would get up on her soapbox, which was fine, you know, and we would listen or join in. And one time um, she was outraged because uh, there had been some rodents in her room and probably because she like had granola bars or something in her desk and she found some little mouth droppings and, and she had reported it because she was appalled about, oh my gosh, you know. And um, so the uh, custodial staff had um, taken care of the problem. And so one day we're, we're sitting, you know, drinking our coffee before class starts and we're, you know, we're gearing up and I'm gearing up to go into my, you know, cavernous dark warehouse with nothing. <laughs> and she comes in and she's like, y'all, you will not believe it. And, you know, we think, oh my God, what, you know, someone has died or something. And she goes, 
did you see what they're doing to catch the mice in my room? And I was like, well, no, what, what is it? She goes, it's a sticky pad. And we kind of looked at her for a minute. And we were like, it's a what? She goes, it's a sticky pad. The poor little mouse crawled onto the sticky pad and he couldn't get off. And you can see where he's like gnawing his foot because his foot is stuck. And she goes, I've never seen anything more crueler. And we were like, well, uh, what, you know, did you want a mouse trap where it like slaps the tail? Is that any better? Or somebody said, well, yeah, sometimes they put them in these little things of water and they drown them. Do you think that's better than Mala being the little smart aleck she is? She goes, you know what? I got a great idea. She said, I got this guillotine over here. And she said, I'm going to loan it to you. You just put those little mice in there and, and, and cut their heads off. And so, of course, we died laughing. This particular colleague did not think we were funny by any means, you know, because we were like the sticky pad. I thought that was a pretty good idea. But what did I know? So she just she just well, I can see that you guys do not care. She just got up and stormed out. So we thought, uh oh, well, we've done it. So then we're sitting there going, well, me, I'm going, you know, there are worse things in life to be upset about. I, I, I just got to say. And so Molly goes, I've got it. She said, while well, she's in with practice, this is, she was actually the theater teacher. So she had lots of practices for her productions. She said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get these yellow post-it notes and we're going to draw mice on there. And we're going to write, help me, help me. And we're going to go stick them in her room. So we're like, all right, this is fun. So we're drawing mice, you know, in our sticky pads. And we all meet in her room early because we knew she was over across on the stage. We're sticking those little those sticky pads everywhere. Like she opens up her desk drawer and there's one. that goes, help me, I'm dying, you know, little things like that. We stick them everywhere. And what was particularly funny about this is, she liked to use post-it notes. And if you would look at her desk, she would just have rows and rows, very organized post-it notes of things she had to do for her productions, you know, because it's a, it's hard to put it on. There's a mountain of details that she had to do and people she had to contact. So that was kind of her, her style anyway. So we snuck in and we stuck those everywhere. And then we went back to our room. We were drinking coffee. And then all of a sudden, we hear these footsteps coming down the hall. Oh, my God. And I, and I just sit there and I go, incoming. And she walks in and she's like, I can't believe it. I come to you guys. I'm upset about this. And all you do is make a joke of it. She said, I think I, I hope I found all these little post-it notes. And we were like, okay, sorry. We, anyway, she storms out. Of course, we laugh because we think, oh, oh, that was funny, right? So anyway, yeah, to make a long story short, she didn't speak to us for a couple of days. And we were like, oh, all right, we, we got over it. So anyway, but she kept finding those post-it notes for the rest of the year because we were very clever where we stuck them. So anyway, we were, we were proud of ourselves. So that lifted our, our spirits. And then one time, um, shortly after you come back from school, it's about sometime in February, we would have kind of around President's Day, um, the kids might be off, but we would have an in-service day. And it's always cool and in-service because you can actually leave the building and go eat lunch, you know, at a real restaurant like the real world does. And so Molly and I um, were driving together and we used to eat at this Thai restaurant. It's fairly close to our campus. 
And so we would we would meet there. We would all say, to them, hey, we're going to go do Thai food. Go do Thai food. Okay, meet you there. So we, we went. We actually got there early, and none of our colleagues at Breakfast Club had made it. So right next to this little restaurant was sort of this little gift shop kind of thing. And so we were forever looking for all kinds of, you know, things that we could use in class because we did so many different units. And we, if we found anything at all, we're big on like uh, ordering from kids' toys and things like that. So when we do the house, we'd have furniture and we do foods. We'd actually have the little, like the little play kitchens. <laughs> we would have that. Just any and every, you know, we teach the family. We would bring dolls in, you know, community helpers, you name it. If you think of like a... Kindergarten, early childhood, that's where we would start. And we brought in all kinds of stuff. And if it wasn't, you know, toys and things, it would be, you know, posters, just, you know, any and everything. Clothing, we brought in clothing. We would have style shows. So that, that was very much how we taught. So we, would, we went into the shop to kill time. And as we were going through, we see in the counter, there's this little sign. It goes, magic glasses, $1. And we're like, magic glasses, $1? okay. Let's get some. So we each bought a pair, and they were red, and they kind of had mirrored lenses. And so we said, magic? And they're like, yeah, yeah, just go outside and look through them, and, and you'll see why they're magic. So we put them on, and we went outside, and we were looking through them, and we couldn't really see anything. There was kind of a picture there, but we didn't know why that was magical. And so we just, you know, kept them on, and walked around the store and then we decided we saw our colleagues so as we you know we walked into the restaurant we sat down we took off our magic glasses and yeah and so our colleagues they just started dying laughing we go what's wrong and they go your magic glasses we go yeah they don't work that's why we took them off they go oh they worked all right they're like why don't you go look in the mirror so we go into the restroom and we're looking <laughs> silly us the magic was when you took them off, you had these red rings around your eyes where the rims of the glasses had touched your face. So there we were going, oh, my God. And so Molo and I started laughing so hard, literally. She's like, I'm peeing in my pants. She literally. And I said, well, we're in the bathroom. You're in a good spot. So, yeah, so there we are. We're dying laughing. So we, we get paper towels and water. And we try to clean it off as best we can. And we're like, oh, well. So we go back out. Of course, we try to eat. We just keep laughing breaking into hysterics because you know we thought we were so smart and and of course we weren't so then we decide when we go back we want to share this fun with our colleagues so we find these two people in the hall we go hey guys we bought these magic glasses we got an extra pair for you and you guys you know you teach theater one so this would be good props to put them on they're really cool and I said but you have to go outside because you know, you have to look through them to see the magic. So they would go outside and they would come back in. They would take them off. And, of course, you know, the same joke. People would start laughing at them. And, and then, of course, they'd get mad at us. And we were like, we just wanted you to have as much fun as we had. So that that was another um, cool thing. And then I want to say some of the absolute most fun that we had was when – they would ask us to form teams, and um, we would always have these uh, campus performance objectives, like, you know, maybe incorporate reading or technology skills or whatever. And then always, there would always be three, and then one of them would be, 
how do you reach out to your uh, lower low achievers is what they called them or your at-risk students that was always one of the objectives because you know they never go away so we would get together right and then we would have to present to the faculty so we would all get together at lunch because we had different conferences and we would kind of say okay what kind of musical number can we do to present to the faculty? Because, you know, for the Chihuahua Bats, there was nothing more boring than sitting in a faculty meeting and listen to someone go, blah, 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 right? So, and unfortunately, that has all changed. At least the faculty meetings I've been in or I was in in the last few years, they had a tendency to be a little bit more fun and entertaining, right? It's all about entertaining these days. So, for the first one, um, we had to talk about the three campus performance objectives. So we chose um, the song YMCA by the village people. So we all uh, got dressed up like the village people. Yes. And we did the best we could. And then um, we would sing to campus POs, campus POs for campus performance objectives. And so we had this cute little song that we, we about what we were going to do, you know, low achievers let's hear it for low achievers and so we would just go through the motions of how we were going to reach out to these different groups and so I mean the faculty loved it right they were in hysterics and of course we were having fun doing it we were just being you know goofballs yeah um the superintendent was not so impressed I mean because she took it as we were not taking the performance objective seriously, and we really were. I mean, everything we said in our song was right on as to how we were going to, you know, evaluate and then validate, you know, the data and stuff like that. So we were spot on. We were just doing it, you know, funny. And then another one we did was we, we got together and we dressed up like the Blues Brothers, and we did the dance to them. And uh, again, you know, the faculty was dying laughing, you know, and the superintendent not so much. Um, I think that uh, I know that from all and I, the Chihuahua Bats, I mean, she never, ever appreciated what we were doing in the classroom um, because we were really ahead of our time when it came to, you know, the small group student-led instruction and we were into, you know, integrative and interactive activities. I mean, we were not sitting at desks writing the language. Uh, we were not going page by page in the textbook. Did we use textbooks? Absolutely. Did our kids do some writing? Absolutely. But once we gave them a vocabulary unit or a concept, we had them apply it. And we came up with all kinds of situations, big and small, for them to apply the language. Um, so the days of just filling in the correct conjugation or which preposition goes in the blank, we did some of that. But that was not our everyday, okay? So we were loud and noisy and, and not in our seats. And she was just not open to that. Um, nowadays, if you're not like that, people look down on you. But back in the day, you know, this is like back in 1997, the olden days, um, where I was, we were, uh, we were not appreciated and we were not promoted. And of course, you know, we would go to Tefla and get all these kudos and they would send them letters and we would never know because they would never say, not like in faculty meetings, they would never say we want to congratulate. None of that. It was just kind of like, oh yeah, oh, yeah, they teach foreign language. Yeah, they teach, you know, it was just kind of like that. So um, needless to say, all of our, um, 
uh, presentations that we had so much fun, you know, and, and, and here's what she missed. Here you have teachers coming together, having fun together to survive the year and what's being thrown at you. And so you should be celebrating that they're sitting there having fun trying to educate their colleagues, yeah, instead of sitting there with their little pen just taking notes, you know. So to me, she she couldn't celebrate that. and um, But that was then, and, and hopefully um, superintendents are, have come a long way since then. So um, if you're in survival mode and you're sitting there going, I, I don't know what can be thrown at us next, because as educators, you've had a ton thrown at you. You've had to turn on a dime more than once, um, you know, and as this pandemic, you know, numbers were increasing. So then people were like, oh, we got to, you know, we got to, let's go remote for a week. Let's try to bring the numbers down. I mean, it's just been nonstop. And then this winter storm and, and some people as of today were still not back in the classroom because they had like, you know, water damage or yeah, through, from the storm. So I say, if you're sitting there going, oh, my gosh, what next in this crazy job we, we call teaching? Uh, now's the time to gather and play. And not only play, I want you to play like champions. And always remember, okay, be a chihuahua bat. Dare to be that person that marches to a different drummer and have a chihuahua bat day. <laughs>